T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The king of the blues. Who do you think of when you hear that phrase? Well, most people think of B.B. King, and they would be right. Joining me this morning is Daniel Duvizet, who has written a book called King of the Blues, The Rise and Reign of B.B. King. Daniel, thank you for joining us. It is an honor. I love Madison. You do? All right. Well, we love B- we love B.B. King. I had an opportunity to see him several times at the Madison Blues Fest and also uh, at one of Eric Clapton's Crossroads Festivals. So I've seen a lot of B.B. King and, and really appreciate his music. So let's start out with B.B. King's upbringing. He, you know, the classic, when you think of like a classic blues man's upbringing, B.B. King has that. Well, it's it's kind of cliche, but you know the Delta Blues artists. There's always confusion over dates and places and all that. And certainly, I ran into a lot of that when I was doing BB's life. Um, I, I figured out, for example, that he lived for a few years in Chickasaw County, Mississippi, which no one associates with him. But I found census records that proved that, and some interviews that were sort of lost that were 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 kin of his relatives were talking about that. But yeah, he started out as a penniless, impoverished sharecropper in in the 1920s and 1930s. And the sharecropping cycle was brutal. You know, you usually just stayed in debt your whole life. Um, But B.B.'s father, Albert King, was able to break out of that cycle as a tractor driver and really provide for his family. And that really inspired B.B. I think he trained his own ambitions, ultimately on a music career. And that's where he came from. When he started out, he he was actually a disc jockey for a while. I think a lot of people don't know that. Well, that's right. Um, he, he, he learns the guitar, becomes a, a reasonably accomplished blues guitarist, and then he goes up to Memphis, which was the regional capital of music for anyone in Mississippi. And he, he goes there to stay in 1949. And, I mean, this is the legend, but also the truth. He walks into the station, WDIA, which is the historic first black radio station really in the whole country where all the talent is african-american and he meets with the station manager and talks his way on the air by basically playing an audition in the studio and he winds up doing at the beginning these little i think 15 minute segments of playing probably unaccompanied probably barely amplified blues into the microphone Um, but over the months starting in 1949 and into 1950 he becomes a recording artist he becomes a disc jockey this huge library of recordings is opened up to him and he just devours it because he has this this sort of musical genius and everything he hears becomes part of the B.B. King sound and the rest, as they say, is history. 
talking with Daniel Devesay about the King of the Blues, the rise and reign of B.B. King, a new biography about the King of the Blues. And talk a little bit about how B.B. King was uh, not alone in the fact that he was taken advantage of. A lot of African-American artists of the day were ripped off big time and B.B. King was among them. Yeah, um, there were all these independent record labels. You know, Chess is the one everybody knows. Uh, Sam Phillips had a, had a label, which, of course, <laughs> becomes pretty well-known, Elvis. B.B. Uh, King recorded for Modern Records, which was an indie label out of Los Angeles, out of the Watts area, run by the Bahari Brothers. And not just the Baharis, but I think a lot of these independent record producers, what they would do is things like they'd write you an advance on your single, but then you'd never get any additional royalties. Even if the single sold 100,000 copies, you'd never see another penny. Um, Another sin, I would say, is that when they would release a B.B. King song, it would often be somebody else's song, but the compositional credits on the single would read B.B. King and uh, Jose, and Jose was a uh, a pseudonym for the Baharis, and they they would take and pocket the money for the compositional royalty and split it with B.B. Now, neither of them really maybe deserved it because it actually probably was a, a song written by a different black artist. So really, everybody, everybody got, got rooked except for the, uh, the record producers, uh, including B.B., right? But the good thing is they left him alone in the studio and allowed him to record the way he wanted to. And Mr. King, of course, had a, had a genius to him and, and knew what he wanted his records to sound like, and that's why his stuff in the 50s is so brilliant, because they left him alone and let him record the way he wanted to. Talk a little bit about how B.B. King's sound was different from other folks. Yeah, I mean, this is really why I wrote the book. Um, There was a a very, very modest tradition of people playing solo guitar, uh, going back to the 1920s with this guy named Lonnie Johnson, who was a, 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 a brilliant blues jazz guitarist who was maybe the first prominent guitarist to to solo to play solos on one string of a guitar i know this sounds crazy but they didn't do it back then it was just chords right and part of the reason is there wasn't amplification you couldn't amplify a guitar so you know you think about how much projection you're going to get playing something on a string um but by the late 30s there was amplification and you get charlie christian who's the first real solo guitar star of jazz, uh, and, and he had the benefit of amplification. And these are huge influences on B.B. And then in the 40s, the post-war era, you get T-Bone Walker, who was really an unusual character because he was a guitarist who led a rhythm and blues combo. There were very, very few of those. The guitar was almost unknown as a sort of front and center instrument. You know, you think about any recording from the 30s or 40s, and you're thinking trumpet, you're thinking uh, saxophone, you're thinking piano, and you're thinking voice. You did not hear much guitar. So B.B.'s particular singular genius was that around about 1949, 1950, he found a new way to play solos on the guitar. And the way was sort of, he dreamed up this idea of having the guitar sound like a a voice. Basically, in his mind, it was like a woman's voice. Uh, This is where you get Lucille. And he would sort of throw his voice he would sing, and then Lucille would sing, Lucille being his guitar, kind of like a, if you could picture like a Bergen and McCarthy, I, that's how I see it. And so he played guitar in a different way. This was not the way T-Bone Walker played. It's this kind of sound, which is like a human voice. I'm thinking of Nigel Tufnell from Spinal Tap here, because uh, he said it best. But that sound, 
uh, is, is BB's sound. And even though it's unique and, and everyone knows BB King when they hear it, what happened over the course of the 50s and into the 60s was other younger artists started playing the same way. And to greatly oversimplify, by the Woodstock era in the late 60s, pretty much almost every band in blues and pop music had a guitarist who played like B.B. King, and that is why he matters so very much, I think. The book is called King of the Blues, The Rise and Reign of B.B. King, talking with Daniel Devesay this morning about the book. And there's so much more that I want to ask you about. But I think there's one thing that surprised me, and I'm you know familiar with the blues. I work at a music radio station. But The Thrill is Gone actually charted on the pop chart in 1969. So B.B. King really rose up into the mainstream at that point. Well, right. Um, our, our country had this sad tradition of segregation. And so up till the latter part of the 60s, B.B. played almost only for, for black uh, crowds in, in black clubs that were segregated. The white people mostly couldn't go into the black clubs. Black people mostly couldn't go into the white clubs. There were many exceptions, but that was more or less what had happened to him. So in 1967, Bill Graham invites B.B. King to play at the Fillmore, which actually had been a black club, but it had reinvented itself as a hippie sort of <laughs> hippie cathedral. Right. So it's almost literally the first gig that BB had ever done for a white audience in February 1967. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the chairman of the board, Mr. BB King, and he did this amazing show and got the longest standing ovation of his career to that point. <clears throat> and that's the beginning of him playing for everyone, not just for black audiences. Uh, and, and from there, he goes on tour with the Stones in 1969, which is probably the single most significant thing in that era as far as opening up this new audience. And yes, The Thrill is Gone becomes a major pop hit. He makes these crossover records in collaboration with Bill Simzik, the guy who later discovered the Eagles. And, you know, the rest, it, it, it just unfolded one accolade after the next. There's so much more in your book that uh, you tell about B.B. King that we may not uh, have known, uh, more about the guitar Lucille, but folks are going to have to go buy the book because we're running out of time. Uh, Daniel Duvisay, thank you so much for taking time with me this morning. The book is called King of the Blues, The Rise and Reign of B.B. King. It's my honor. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening for Weekend Perspective. I'm Kitty Dunn. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.